0: Welcome back into play by Playcast. It is the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters hosted by, I guess, kind of a play-by-play broadcaster. It's the professional development podcast that talks about the tips, tricks, experience, process, and preparation of some of the best play-by-play broadcasters in the business. My name is Joel Godet. That is Biko Scala. He is the voice, not even the voice, the broadcast entertainer. We have to get the the titles official. Right. Of the Savannah (laughs) Bananas. Uh, Biko, thanks for coming by, man. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure, Joel. Um, tell me about. Let's start with a name, right? Uh, not even Biko, I meant broadcast entertainer. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> when you applied for this job, uh, what did you think you were getting into?
1: Uh, really had, had no idea. So I didn't know what the Savannah Bananas were um, after graduating from Syracuse. I was at MLB Network behind the scenes for a couple of years and, and had done some broadcasting during my time at Newhouse and really wanted to get back into that. So was just looking out into the world, trying to stay in the Northeast. And then through the STAA, I saw this bizarre opening that was unlike the hundreds of job descriptions yeah. that I'd seen outside of it. I remember um, it. I
0: was like, that this is wild. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't asking for a resume, and it only wanted three batters of play by play. Like from any game, I could just literally tape over uh, like a major league baseball game, which is exactly what I did. And that honestly really appealed to me because I'd been behind the camera, I'd really making my living in Adobe Premiere Pro for a little over two years. So I was trying to fake it till I make it. And um, it actually ended up being the perfect fit. But yeah, I I mean, I watched the the video that covered their four years of existence beforehand, saw that it was a circus surrounding a baseball game and and basically just realized it was something that my eyeballs had to see in person. Um, what did you send? because I,
0: I and and it's in the description for the party animals broadcaster that I know was right. posted as as we right. record this. Um, but it was like interview a player in the shower or things like that. and and I know you are in the ESPN documentary doing an interview like on a Pogo stick over the outfield wall. Um so like how out of the box did you get on what you wound up submitting?
1: Yeah, the, the pogo stick interview, by the way, was absolutely grueling. Actually, it was a, it was a trampoline, but it was like a minute and my thighs were killing me. Um, So I sent as it, as it said, three batters of play by play. And because it was down in Savannah, Georgia, I was like, ah, oh, they're probably Braves fans. So I just found myself a Braves Marlins game where the, the Bravos were down to their final out. Um, and, uh, it was a great little three batter rally. And I pretended that it was historic Racing stadium. I was out in Jamaica, Queens and my girlfriend's basement apartment that didn't have a window at the time. So, you know, it was kind of outside on the concrete pretending that we were in the hostess city of the South and then, um, pretended that. There coaches uh, were were basically Tyler Gillum and in, instead of um you know the the MLB guys and just used a much as much imagination as possible to to turn that into something that they might like as their guy but when it came to like there was no interviews or anything it was really just the three batters of play by play three ideas which is currently in the party animals description as well. It's actually a very similar job description to the one I applied to in 2020. Um, and then got on an interview with the man in the yellow tux chatted for about 40 minutes and accepted the gig.
0: Um, when did you realize I'm sure along the process you you realized it, but like when, once you accepted the job and you, you got there broadcasting, because at that point in time you were still applying to be the broadcaster of a real baseball team. Um, like. <laughs> And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but like you were applying to be a a baseball broadcaster in the traditional sense. Um, When did you realize that this was going to be the most unique job you've ever had?
1: I mean, I expected it going in based on like the 20 minute documentary that they had produced in house Um, that, that really did a great job of explaining the at the time, 88 straight sold out game streak they had at home. um, And, and the, banana nanas and the man nanas and the dancing first base coach and any other idiosyncrasies that that they invent from day to day um so i knew i was getting into something completely unique and i expected it to be the most unique baseball broadcasting job I could find, at least in this country. Um, And then when I got down there, I mean, it's, it was all weaved into, I applied in February, then it's 2020. So March comes and COVID shuts down MLB network and, and the league. So it goes from a 16 team league to three teams playing and, all of a sudden I have given up my full-time job with benefits for a two and a half month contract where it's just the bananas playing against the and bacon and Lexington County blowfish. Uh, and I've got Jesse on the horn all the time. Like, trust me, trust me. It's going to be okay. I'm like, I, it better be okay. Cause I <laughs> gave up my career for this. Um, but when I went down that June, they handed me nine rules and said, we've invented a version of baseball called banana ball uh, study this because you were going to broadcast the first ever banana ball game in front of fans in a week. Um, and it was an absolute mess. It, it was mayhem, but I did see the magic inside the experiment. Um, I did not expect, first of all, I, I saw this as a stepping block and figured it would send me out into minor league baseball. I did not expect to be there for multiple summers. I didn't know that there would be quote unquote world tours happening. And I, I never imagined banana ball, Um, being the death of the Savannah bananas baseball team as I knew it at the time.
0: Yeah. There's not a real team anymore. It's just this thing that is amazing. Um, (laughs) What is what, what's it like? Like what's a game? What's a broadcast? Well, two pronged. What was a broadcast like for you of the traditional coastal plain league Savannah bananas baseball team? Um, Let's start there when you were doing the regular nine inning baseball. Um, how was a broadcast different for you because of the organization you work for?
1: Yeah. I mean, it it goes back to the job description that Jesse uh, and John Chelsnick had thrown together there of it's a broadcast entertainer. So yes, you want to have some play by play acumen and you want to keep the fans, uh, you know, uh, knowledgeable and up to date of everything that's happening in, in the game. But also you want to kind of be like a, somebody's best friend on the couch who just happens to know everything about every player um, uh, along the way. So cracking jokes, maybe bust out into a little tune, Matt Vaskersian esque back when he was with the Padres uh, that, that gave me some inspiration Um, and, and just kind of be goofier and and throw away some of the rules of play by play um, because people who are watching the bananas games, I mean, obviously when it was a collegiate summer baseball team, a lot of, family and friends. So they still want to see their, their relatives or the people they care about, um, you know, play their sport and, and their stories being told, but also in between innings, we've got the grandma coach, Marty Barrington going out and bringing cookies to the umpires, or there's all kinds of bizarre Um, promotions that every other team in the league is usually going to commercial but I'm staying there and now becoming some kind of circus leader and trying to talk the people through or I'll toss it down to whoever the on-field host was Um, we've had a lot of races and like the sheet races is my favorite so if they're doing a sheet race I'm not throwing it down to the field like I become basically a horse announcer Um, so it's I became a man of many hats, which I I really enjoyed, and it was kind of, It's kind of like a combination of a play-by-play guy and a, a late-night host, or someone hosting SNL.
0: I imagine, or maybe that's probably a really apt description of where you are now. Like, it, did it just is is that what you is that how you would view your role now, just on this very Harlem Globetrotter esque kind of platform?
1: Correct. It has intensified to the nth degree because in the Coastal Plain League, you couldn't do anything that affected the game between the lines. Um, and, and the Bananas pushed it and got plenty of fines from the CPL for doing so, like trying to have a first base coach grilling burgers and and giving burgers to guys who, who got on base. And then the league's like, that, wait, hey, did that like, happen? Oh, it happened. And the opposing coach threw a fit because he's like foul ball. My guy is going to get absolutely roasted by your grill you have here. Um, And and it was little things like that that led to, you know, us realizing the dream of banana ball and the show and the full circus surrounding a baseball game could not be imagined in a league where we couldn't make the decisions. Um, so yeah. And, and now it goes from a baseball game in the middle with really weird stuff and celebrations like the, the, the key to the bananas is, is celebrating a lot and, and, you know, let the kids play type uh, atmosphere. So when the bananas scored a run, they could still do a whole choreographed dance at home plate because it wasn't affecting the game of play. But now in banana ball, they can do a whole choreographed dance on the mound and a balk isn't going to be called and and they can throw a pitch from center field or they can have stilts on the mound. Obviously, nobody's playing in stilts in the CPL um, and and all the other shenanigans that come with it.
0: What's that like for you from a broadcast standpoint? Because uh, there's an element of you know what's coming, right? So you're not necessarily broadcasting with a a blank page because you know the bit that's about to happen. And you're playing the game to make it entertaining for the viewer. Um, What's the blending of those lines?
1: yeah there's a pinch of wwe in what i do um for sure like there's a there's a little acting i'm not an actor but you know when when i know something's going to be our big moment of the night whether it's brian kellogg a canadian on the mound taking out a hockey stick and trying to flick a ball in um from the rubber or he's getting a ball delivered from a drone 100 feet above his head or kyle Luges is getting his hand and a baseball lit on fire like i'm i'm thinking about that i'm thinking about what my call might be um, but, but then also going back to the ball on fire, it, it happened in our first game of the year in West Palm beach last year. It did not light on fire the first time they tried it. So, you know, I've got a big call. I'm fired up. Like this is one of our moments that we want to post out on all of our social medias. And then, you know, Jackson Olsen is there letting it up and I'm getting riled up and I'm like, get ready for Nothing. Uh, so you know, and and then there's also a lot of things that the entertainment and marketing team have planned that either they keep me out of the loop because they do want an absolute honest reaction or there's just so many other things going on in my day to day that I miss it and I'm completely surprised and that also leads to me calling like you know a celebration from um Ferris Bueller's day off something from risky business like I you know or, or Mrs Doubtfire like I am still making honest mistakes about whatever shenanigans uh, are happening on the field but yeah it's a it's a very interesting amalgamation of the game in the middle of banana ball is is always real and both teams always really want to win so that still gives me my uh spontaneity and actually like i'm, I'm still a broadcaster and not just on here uh you know knowing everything that's going to happen but also some of the celebrations and, and nonsense that goes on i'm also just as surprised as anybody watching at home
0: has that uh has that wwe-ness made you a better broadcaster
1: I think so. I mean, it's it's made me a more well-rounded broadcaster for sure. I mean, it's just a different skill set that I've had to develop outside of the traditional preparation and and going to try and, and call a good ball game and where I, I definitely feel a lot more confident on the, the scripted side of television or actually hosting shows or moving on into, you know, I've hosted some random events like Extreme Machines and and Nonsense. And I feel a lot better going into those types of environments because I've experienced the randomness and uh, the the odd things that you see on a nightly basis in banana land.
0: Um, what's your preparation look like for a, a banana ball game? Because, you know, obviously, if you're preparing to call a, a baseball game, you're looking at stats, figures, trends. If you want to get into like advanced metrics and all that stuff, which I imagine to a large degree mean nothing in the world of banana ball because it's much more about the fun, the entertainment, the storytelling. Um, How do you ready yourself outside of the scripted stuff to call an entertaining game? And, and I imagine what you get to know about players is much different than what you would ask them question wise if you were in double A.
1: Yeah, for sure. We're, I'm definitely looking for a little bit more of the weird, wacky and 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 type of things that I can throw in there. And not just for myself in a storytelling sense, but also for the actual team of like, hey, this guy can juggle. Like that's something that you're going to use at some point from the entertainment side of things. But for my preparation, it is 98% the exact same as I would for, for any baseball game or any other sport I do. I mean, I My dream is still to ascend to Major League Baseball. Um, So, you know, if you're watching a banana ball game, I'm not throwing all of the rules of play-by-play out the window. Like, I still want fans to be locked into what the season means as a whole. I think when you're looking at banana ball from the outside coming in that – I mean, these are former minor league baseball players, independent professional baseball players, guys who were really successful in college. They are very, very competitive. They really care about their numbers. My broadcast partner, Josh Tolevsky. Does all of our stats at our current stage in the world. Um, and I mean, he has he has everything from your traditional slash lines to OPS, OPS plus, ERA, ERA plus, ERA minus, uh, WOBA. Like we're, I'm telling you, there is a there is a lot more legitimate statistical analysis going on. And then you add in the banana ball stats that we really care about which is trick plays instead of walks you can have sprints so how many bases on average are guys getting on sprints there's showdowns instead of extra innings which is basically baseball's equivalent to like penalty kicks or shootout um and and we want showdown shutdowns how are people comparing you keep those stats separate from from it the nine inning stats i mean like there's there's actually a lot going on behind the scenes. And I still use statistics to tell my stories a lot because uh, I still consider myself a sports broadcaster before, you know, an, an SNL host or whatever. So um, when you sit down and watch the games, I think there's a lot of statistical information being disseminated, maybe more than what would be good for the general audience. Um, but that's something we really care about. And like this past tour, the bananas and party animals played each other 69 times. A couple rain outs Scott got in there to make that happen. and going into the 69th game, the two teams were even. So, like, there's there's all these numbers that are woven in. All of a sudden, we've got somehow a magical Game 69 championship game at the end of the tour um, that, like, it really just all helps tell the story. And we've got a full pregame show where we're talking about the the pitchers and guys who are hot and guys who are not and, and what keys to the game are and everything. Like, we really care on the broadcast side of things about the outcome, why things are happening, and and telling the story of, of guys – tours and seasons from a statistical side, just as much as we care about all the shenanigans. That's really cool. And it's, it's like the
0: Globetrotter reference gets thrown around all the time, but they can, of course they can and do control what happens. You you can't really pull that off in baseball, which creates, I think that added element of keeping the, the original intent of the game still involved, even though you add in, the fun stuff that makes it that
1: next evolution of the game that, that Jesse Cole always talks about. Oh, 100% like banana ball is baseball for the common man or the common fan rather. And, and because of that, that's why you slap the two hour time limit on it. Like game starts at seven. You know, you're going to get out of there at nine showdowns, get in there. Maybe you're leaving the ballpark at nine 15 or nine 20. Um, but And, and the players, as I mentioned, very, very competitive, but also anytime they have a routine play, if the situation allows it, guys aren't in scoring position, they're, you know, it's not a really tense part in the game. They're going to try a trick, throw it between their legs, the backflip and center field you see from D.R. Meadows and now Reese Hampton on the party animal side. So the entertainment is, is definitely the key part. I mean, this is fans first entertainment is the mother company of the bananas, party animals, and now the firefighters. Um, but... You can't take the, the competition out from these guys. And also, it, it just it's a completely different event from the Globetrotters in that when fans come to these games, you never know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. We just plan all these possible celebrations and entertainments on outcomes that might occur, whether it's the first double for either side, the first run scored, a walk-off, first hit by pitch. We have all these possibilities mapped in there, but you never know what's going to happen once Jesse L. start the clock.
0: What's uh what's your favorite moment that you've been able to broadcast, be it baseball or be it like Brian from the Backstreet Boys coming out of the crowd <laughs> right, on his right. way to hit?
1: Those are all cool. Like I, I love the celebrity cameos. It's it's really fun. It's fun to have them in the booth. They're they're usually pretty jazzed up and, and having a good time. So it's a it's a very easy <laughs> interview for us. Um, but my, my favorite moment probably has to be uh this guy Kamani. In Kannapolis, North Carolina, our first game ever in North Carolina, and he ended the game by catching a line drive in foul territory. And yeah. obviously, you know, it broke the baseball Internet it was all over, um, which was awesome for those who care about that inside the organization. Um, But but more importantly, it was just. The greatest moment in banana ball history, in my opinion, still to date of we played 115 of these games and only once has a fan caught the final out. And and it was the bananas were up five to one like it wasn't a necessarily tense moment, but that is what banana ball is all about. You'll see guys instead of warming up with each other on the field, they go out there. They're usually warming up with a fan. If you're not in the game a lot of times and you don't have some entertainment planned, you're up on the stands just sitting down with people chatting with them, creating lifelong memories. Um, and and spreading joy, like that's what this whole thing is out here is is for is spreading joy. So, Kamani. Making that that catch is definitely my favorite. Reese Hampton hit an out-of-the-park home run in Brockton, Massachusetts in showdowns. That ends the game instantaneously, and the, the home team doesn't even get a chance to hit. That's the only time that's ever happened in Banana Ball. That was very special to me. And then it, it wasn't a moment, but the Party Animals won nine straight games, nine straight elimination games to end this last tour. Uh, six or uh, Six of them, I believe, maybe even seven, were complete games and before that there had never been a nine inning complete game thrown in banana ball history. And now in games one Oh six through one fifteen, all of a sudden there were like six of them. So like the game evolves uh, that is very special, important to me. It was like, they did what the Boston Red Sox did in 2004 twice, and then added another game on top of it. The fact they won nine straight elimination games was literally the craziest thing I think I've ever actually seen in sports. Um, so it's there's a lot of things that fire me up about banana bowl and I could wax poetic all day, but those are the first three that really come to mind.
0: Don't bet against my guy, Jake school, former no! Pelican.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I loved like when I first looked at rosters, I was like, I know that guy, that guy, that guy was on a team that I worked for. <laughs> um, Tell me about the, the North Carolina foul ball deal though. And I, I mean that from a broadcast standpoint, because <laughs> I feel like when you're broadcasting minor league baseball so often, it's just like, Swing, and that one's flipped over to the stands' left side. The count's right. zero and two. Um, like you have to be—I I, imagine—on your toes in a much different
1: way than a traditional baseball broadcaster is. Oh yeah, you—you you cannot any ball in foul territory, w- no matter where it's heading. You've got to be locked in, tapped in. Like one of the most important parts of my job, especially because it's tough for cameras to—you to can't every see the always, ball. can you? Correct, and and oh my gosh, some some stadium the booth location is not good for that's gonna get really hard territory. with all the
0: major league parks
1: correct correct <laughs> so like one of the most important parts of my job is like foul ball that's at the stadium we can start talking about something else like you know like it. you have to let the fans know no this is not the greatest possible thing in banana ball, which is fans catching foul balls, which I have said since I saw the first nine rules and continue through 115 games of broadcasting all of them. It's the best rule. It, it's the full fans first inclusion of you come to a game, you can make an out for either side. Um, so when the North Carolina situation comes up, it's the, that's the coup d'etat. It's the best that I've ever seen. It's still the best that I've ever seen. So, and that's where, you know, I, I don't think that's where a little bit of my WWE comes back in, but also I I just love baseball. It's my favorite sport in the world and I want it to be exciting and I find it incredibly exciting. So I'm, I would say a pinch over the top with my calls. Like I am, I'm excitable by nature and that makes this job pretty perfect for me, but like that happens and I'm just about going headfirst out of the broadcast booth with excitement because I just can't believe my eyes. And now I'm like this, this rising ninth grader just made the play of his life. I've got to deliver a call that will stand the test of time. And he can look back in 50 years and say, man, that's one of the greatest moments of my existence.
0: What's the thing you're most proud of that you've brought to the broadcast that is like wacky and like the thing
1: you're most proud of that you've sat in a meeting and been like, what if we did this on the air? Oh my gosh. We've, we've in, once again, in the SNL or, late night talk show vein. We have finished up a, a handful of broadcasts with a guitar hero song or two. My incredible coordinating producer, Chad Reese, figured out how to make it possible and we're just live on YouTube. So uh, the, the copyright usually plays out OK that we don't get the whole broadcast banged because we wanted to play a couple songs. songs. Um, but there's just something special to me about like a, a musical finale. To a night, so you watch an entire banana ball game. uh, You know, we'll, we'll break it down quickly in the booth. And then we'll throw some animated curtains in front and then uh, a minute later they'll pop out and i'm usually on the drums josh my uh broadcasting partners on the mic um and then we'll have like chat recording producer on the on the guitar and maybe someone else from our crew in there as well and we perform a couple songs and it's like it just adds to the variety show that you're seeing down on the field now that is also coming in the booth as well there's There's a a lot of similar things to that. The wheel of unfortunate has become a staple of our broadcast that we, we probably spun just about every other broadcast. And uh, as it's named, most of the outcomes are not good for, for those who spin it. Um, So then all of a sudden I'm, I'm calling an inning gargling water or in an accent, which I'm terrible at um, or some kind of impersonation or doing jumping jacks. Like it's, it's just a, a little extra spice onto an already incredibly spicy product in banana Actually, ball. I love that. That's a <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> um
0: when you look at the the entirety of of what you guys do on the air um and the amount of people that it involves you talked about having a coordinating producer obviously you've got a broadcast partner you've got a whole team around you um what was the process like in crafting that and we live in this age nowadays where it's like, well, you want to do something, go do it. Um, How did you guys from zero decide like, we're going to make this whole thing that's going to produce games and it's going to be real.
1: It's been pretty fascinating. I mean, the bananas and fans first entertainment as a company, we have a startup mindset because if if you go into Jesse and Emily's story, I mean, they put everything into this company. We're sleeping on an air mattress, had to sell their house. Like they hit rock bottom financially to make this dream true of over now 200 straight games at Grayson stadium being sold out. And you know, uh, the, the yada, yada of 33 cities, over 500,000 fans in person, all this and that. So when I come in, I am the first ever broadcaster. That's, that's been hired on, on a contract basis. That was not just an intern. Um, and I think they saw MLB NHL network on my resume and said, Oh my gosh, how are we getting this guy? Whereas I don't think, they fully understood that I was literally just editing in <laughs> Adobe Premiere Pro the entire time, um, but I skill. came in. That's a skill, and it and, it, and I've used it probably over a thousand times in my four plus years in banana land so it it did have some value um but i come in and you know they're just using tiny little handheld cameras and ipad is like the entire control room uh you can only have four cameras at once and if you, it had like up to eight cameras but you'd have to like click a button grab a camera drag it in kick one out like it, incredibly not user-friendly um and then i was coming in i was setting up all of our tech i was uh you know shutting down the broadcast i was scheduling everybody to come in like I was the broadcaster and also the coordinating producer myself so through the years um the team has been amazing and empowering me and and also blessing me monetarily with uh some some shekels that could be thrown around we've added in like Chad Reese our coordinating producer as I mentioned who was a, a camera guy in 2021 he basically reached out to me after that season and said I love this so much. I think we can be so much better. He came from Georgia Southern, had run a lot of you know ESPN Plus broadcasts. And he was like, I think there's some really small tweaks without investing a, a ton of cash that we can improve our production value. So now I've got Chad running all of that. And we have a couple other whizzes who are we just hiring on a game day basis who uh, this guy Griffin Ellis is just probably the smartest for his age, the smartest uh, broadcast equipment person in the world. And I'm I'm so serious when I say that he's he's like 21 years old and from 16 years old has known just about as much as anybody I've known. So we trust him with all of our equipment. And all of a sudden we've put in just equipment upwards of 500,000, probably closer to a million dollars in and have a, a full control room in Grayson Stadium where now, We have this 87 game tour this past year and we can bop around the country and using live you can send all of our cameras back to Grayson Stadium where we've got like a six person crew in there. So you produce your games remotely. Correct. Oh, that's awesome. Unless they're in Grayson, which, you know, is is 30 of our games on the tour. Um, But yeah, so they're doing all the switching, all the graphics, uh, replay, sound, that's about six or seven people in Grayson stadium for every single game. And then if we're on the road, we travel with myself, Josh and Chad, and then usually about four camera people we, re- we really trust. And then we'll hire on about three local help as well from, from schools and such. So it it's so rewarding to have seen it blossom this much. It's, it's so great to have had so many uh, pieces of my job taken away from me by people who are better suited for it. So I can focus a lot more on broadcasting. Um, and and it's amazing to see, like I, I mentioned, over 500,000 people went to the games in person this past year. Over 7 million people watched our broadcast live. And that's, that's really special for us because we don't have any broadcasting deals, at least on a regular basis out there. So we mostly just hemorrhage money from the company and just show that, hey, but look at all these eyeballs like 14 times the people watched got to watch the broadcast and all of these games because we were doing them on youtube and and there's certainly some unimaginable value to that at least that's what and, keeps getting us paid
0: well i was like somebody, somebody's putting a value on it yeah <laughs> correct
1: <laughs> um and
0: now you're doing it twice as many times with the party animals and the firefighters and you're getting multiple tours right
1: Correct. Yeah. So I mean, like the bananas tour is still like the eight months from early February to mid October. That is the main ticket. And then for a couple months in there, the party animals will host their own games, which basically anytime the party animals are playing a team that's not the bananas. It's a party animals home game, which we had three innings of this past year against the team from Australia, the Aussie Drop Bears. And it was three of the most fun innings of my broadcasting career. Um, and then that leads into us now hiring a party animals broadcaster because there's a bunch of times where they'll be at home or they'll be on the road and the bananas will be uh, you know, vice versa. So um yeah, it's it's really special to get to see the empire grow and and now the firefighters are a new team that that we are adding in and they will be playing in Nats Park. So they get a major league baseball game. They're going to play uh, a lot of games against the party animals as well. I think they have basically got 19 games on the schedule um, and, and trying to build this up to what we very publicly hope will, will be a league around 2026, about eight teams and, and banana ball. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts <laughs> and like, and, and figuring out how you force teams to have a stilts or a stilts equipment <laughs> equivalent, because that really sways the the product on the field and the competitive First we gotta find competitive enough guys activity. who can do it on stilts correct and <laughs> and do we want eight stilts out there like we kind of probably want like one stilts and then seven guys who have another gimmick that makes it really hard for them to be successful in <laughs> banana ball um so th- like it's a grand experiment and we're learning as we go but it's it's fascinating to see and like wildfire like wildfire it continues to uh be be really successful biko how do people find you how do they follow you Yeah, man. I'm not amazing at social media. I am uh, Biko Rico Suave. That is B-I-K-O-R-I-C-O-S-U-A-V-E on pretty much everything.
0: Some people would Um, say that's an amazing start to social media.
1: Thank you. It's been my uh, it's been my username since like I was probably 11 years old. Um, but yeah, so you know, I'm I'm tweeting once in a while. I'll post a TikTok every two or three months. Um, and and an Instagram post, pretty much at that same basis as well. But um, I you know, as as a broadcaster, I still feel like um, everything with my broadcasting preparation and my writing, like that, all has to take precedent. And then if I have time to goof around with social media, I can. Which might not honestly be the right way to have priorities in in this world. But, um, you know, I'm still chasing the dream. So broadcasting comes first.
0: Biko, man, uh, congratulations on the success. I appreciate you hopping on here and giving us some insight into your world. And uh, great to, to chop
1: it up with you for a little bit. Joel, thank you so much. An incredible questions and, and always a blast to get to talk banana ball.